What? Just kidding. Hi. Welcome to the CJW Sports Show podcast. On this episode, parents get in a fight at a kid's baseball game. Ah, oh, not this. We really have to. Yep, we're going to do it. We're going to talk about it. Also, Richard Kluchay kind of, sort of, met A-Rod. How did that experience go? And while it's not totally a sports, I'm treated as one. Monopoly, introducing an intelligent baker. What? Come on, man. That's on a very entertaining and informative edition of the podcast. This is something that was going around online today. And it's been a while since we've had a conversation about parents behaving poorly at their kids' games. We talked about it at a few hockey games that happened over the course of the winter. And now we go to Colorado for the latest idiocy on the field. Tempers flaring at this Little League game involving seven-year-olds. Instead of celebrating good sportsmanship, parents turned into poor sports. What is happening? The brawl caught on camera broke out on the field at Westgate Elementary School after a call made by the umpire, who is just 13 years old. It's disgusting. I highly doubt that the Rockies had any... uh, any scouts there during the game. In the video, watch as one man comes up from behind to throw his arm around another person before nearly half a dozen parents rush to the fence throwing punches. Parents barely getting their kids to safety as this man in a white shirt and teal pants is seen grabbing another gentleman's shirt and hurling punches at him. In Jesus' name, right now, Jesus. Then, as other parents are finding that same man in the white shirt and teal pants, sucker punching a man again and knocking him to the ground. This cannot happen. This morning, police in Lakewood, Colorado, now asking the public to help them identify that man in the teal shorts, seen multiple times throughout the video. The kids look up to you. My kid does. If you don't lead by example, what do you expect the future to be? We're talking about a seven-year-old baseball game. Seven-year-olds. It's the parents who need to grow up. Kids are inherently good. They are raised to hate. They are raised to be angry. They are a product of their environment. Am I painting a little too broad? Probably. But if they see that behavior, I think it should be embarrassment more than anything that those kids feel. They look over there and they probably feel ashamed that this is happening. Their parents are acting like absolute morons in front of the kids. It's just absolutely deplorable. And I'm not picking the side here that people are against here. I don't think there's anybody on the side of parents fist fighting on the dirt of an infield of a minor league baseball game with seven-year-old kids umpired by a 13-year-old. That's the side supporting that is minimal. But it's just a shame that so often we have to talk about these stories. It is obviously the exception to the norm. This does not happen everywhere. This does not happen all the time to this degree. But at a more minor level, this kind of parents behaving badly happens everywhere. The kind of nonsense that referees have to deal with. This is why people aren't becoming referees, why umpire numbers are down, because they don't want to deal with the kind of harassment that often comes from parents that don't realize that their kid is not going to go to the major leagues. It's not going to go to the NHL. No one's getting a college scholarship today. 
They're here to have fun. They are seven years old. They are seven. You know what? The lesson in sports is that sometimes things don't go your way. A bad call happens. How do you respond to the bad call? True sportsmanship, you swallow your pride, you move on, you're not happy, but it happens. You can argue, but if you're seven, you probably don't. If you're 14, you might, but there's no need to throw a tantrum because how does that improve things for you? It never does. Yelling at the referee is not going to get you the next call. Punching parents in the head, that doesn't help too much either now, does it? Why can't we all get along? It's amazing where a man comes up from behind to punch a player, or a, not a player, a parent in the head. And again, I'm not saying this happens everywhere, but when it does happen, we have to acknowledge it, shake our heads, and recognize that there's just mass stupidity that's out there. The umpire was 13. The field is at an elementary school. What's going on in your life that you have to take out that kind of venom because of something that happened in a minor league baseball game? Some of the response to the brawling might be parents that are saying, oh, enough of this, but don't throw a punch. Be a peacemaker. It's Colorado. Pot's legal there. Come on. Let's just mellow out here. And to the kids, all you can say is, I'm sorry. How do you tell your kid after you just fought another parent in the car ride home? How can you teach them anything? How can you say anything to them other than sorry? If you're going to say, oh, I was justified. The ump was wrong. If you're teaching your kid that that's how you should respond in a situation where you're not up, you're not okay with something, what are you teaching them? That violence is the answer. It's not. It should not be mind-blowing that that's the concept here. Now, last night at the 47th annual Rady JCC Ken Cronson Sports Dinner, the featured keynote speaker was Alex Rodriguez, a rod, super famous, and now a color commentator in the Sunday night baseball booth for ESPN, longtime polarizing athlete, our Richard Cluche was at the dinner and joins me now. Richard, I'll admit, as a Red Sox fan, I do have a built-in prejudice against A-Rod. But how was he? I, You know, we all have our impressions of our, our heroes, our sports heroes. A-Rod is not a sports hero of mine, but we saw his fall from grace. Great, uh, great baseball player. But, you know, when he went down for the longest suspension in Major League Baseball history... He, he talked about the fact that he had to take a serious look at himself. And you, you can tell that the tour there last night is part of the rehabilitation of, of a, a, an athlete that, when he was a teenager, was considered to be a potential superstar at the well, time. An all-time great, potentially. And the numbers, even now, reflect that. But there was a lot of years where teammates didn't seem to like him. A lot of people, he was unpopular despite his greatness. Yeah, he talked about being drafted and there was always this this arrogance about him. And you can sense that. 
And the fact that he thought in his entourage thought that he was going to be a, a Los Angeles Dodger. And he tells the story about actually as a teenager calling up the management of Seattle and saying, I'm not interested in playing for you and thought they won't draft me. Well, a month later, boom, he gets drafted. And he says going to a smaller market like Seattle was the best thing for him in the sense that he wasn't uh, necessarily always under the microscope and he could develop as a player. And then signs the big, at the time, the largest deal in sports history with, with Texas and going to Texas and buying a house. He also talked about, you know, when he f- signed that first contract for just over a million dollars with Seattle, about being able to buy a house and a car for his mother who struggled as a single mom. And I think he does one of the one of the stories that he tells and, and kind of one of the threads through all his narrative is the fact that his father left him at age 10 and that there was nobody in place, uh, a father figure, a male figure that could basically swat him down. So he talks about being a parent now and trying to be a better human being. But this guy is still a multimillionaire. Oh, yeah. That, you know, manages A-Rod Corporation. But he impressed last night uh, the fact that he came to the table with some of the prizes of his own, the fact that, you know, four uh, tickets to Yankee tickets to any stadium in the United States, uh, uh, being able to spend some time with him in an ESPN and uh, and two, uh, four packs of tickets and backstage access to J-Lo concerts coming up. So... There was a certain buzz in the room over this, the fact that this is a guy that uh, represents a lot, has a very interesting and compelling story. And you know what? We always love that hero taken down several notches and then has to rehabilitate themselves. This is the classic story like that. How long did he talk for? Uh, It was an interview setting. So it was uh, 45 minutes, close to an hour. So you got a sense that... It wasn't as rehearsed as a lot of these types of... Because I've got the feeling going in, it might be really polished. It it was and wasn't. I think there was there was authenticity from him. Okay. And in, in that way, it was pleasantly surprising because so often when somebody speaks so often like that, you just think, oh, it's going to be packaged and it's going to be very, um, very much uh, like something that you can just watch on YouTube. No, there was a certain personality to it and there was a certain connection that, uh, that A-Rod made with the audience there last night at the RBC Convention Center. And I think that's something we see during when he was in studio, when he first went on TV, no one thought he was going to be good on TV. And he's good. Yeah. He's very good at it. When he was in studio, it was better than maybe he is in the booth right now, but certainly he he seems like a, a natural fit for the world of television. He does. He looks great. Yes. And people wanted to be there, <laughs> and they certainly wanted to get their picture taken with him. Men and a lot of the women in the room, too. All right. Thanks, Richard. <laughs> For a number of years, what I would do on New Year's Eve is play board games with my friends. And usually the main staple was Monopoly. And I hear stories about people getting very testy during Monopoly games. We were very reasonable, but probably because we were only playing with two or three people. Sky Neller, producer of the show. Obviously not playing it right. No, I guess no. I you're there should be more anger involved. Oh, like that last. Now forever. how much cheating? Goes on in your house. Now watch it. It's usually just me. Okay, don't accuse everybody. I'm just asking a question. Oh, just me. Okay. Well, to try to counteract the cheating, Monopoly 
has introduced an addition called voice banking. Oh, no. There is a new designated banker that is computerized. So no one in your room is the banker. It's an intelligent voice-activated top hat that handles all the game's financial transactions, giving players an outlet for their frustrations without hurting anyone's feelings. So this is a problem then. This if is this not is a good. solution, then there's obviously a problem. So we obviously know Siri and Alexa and Google Assistant have infiltrated everyone's oh homes. God. So now there's this, it's, a, it's an actual top hat you put in the middle of the board. They have to have access to a smartphone or smart speaker. It's 30 bucks, which is about 10 bucks more than the basic version of the game. 30 Monopoly dollars. 30 real dollars. Real dollars? Real dollars. Oh, forget it. I'm out. Now, Rich Uncle Pennybags himself is apparently the voice oh, of the I'm virtual assistant. Oh, I'm back in. Apparently, though, now he's Mr. Monopoly, but oh. he's no Siri. But you can uh, use one of four buttons on the top hat to identify yourself. It can't tell different voices apart on its own. So how intelligent is this hat? Mm-hmm. You can make verbal requests like buy boardwalk or build a hotel. Tell me how to cheat. Give me more money. Give me a discount. So this apparently will help speed up the game. It can take a long time to play Monopoly. I'm, I'm still playing one from 1997. My games take like 40 minutes, but there's just three of us usually, and it's about five minutes in. You know who's going to win. Am I doing it right? No. Okay. But... It eliminates math. Oh, oh, I'm on board. <laughs> but isn't that part of board games? It's learning and testing your skills. No, I think it's just winning. No. Oh. Defeating family members and embarrassing them along do the way. Do you use a calculator? No. Good. Because I know people that do. Oh, no, 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 no. To calculate their earnings at the end. No. Have you the ever, end. Have you like ever, there's ever been Have one. you ever flipped a table? Let's not go there. Okay. So, yeah. Are you going to buy it? No. God, no. No. It ruins everything. Absolutely. It's a stupid top hat. Get it out of here. Tune into the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell. Or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I dig you're out of luck. But Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?